This podcast is brought to you by Bodog.net. Don't miss a chance to play at Bodog.net. When the odds are stacked against you, post-game tastes that much sweeter. Bodog.net, your source of free casino games, poker strategies, and live sports odds. All right, 105. Hope you heard your code word. We got to it early this hour. You have two more opportunities uh, to hear code words on the drive coming up this afternoon. And also between now and two, we'll have a four-pack of uh, Sens Flyers tickets up for grabs here on In the Box on TSN 1200. That's in the the future. Uh, In the here and now, it's going to be game two of a five-game road trip that did not start very well last night. Sens are in Seattle. They will practice tomorrow. They'll play the Kraken coming up on Thursday night. Let's go to Seattle right now. From atop the Space Needle, I'm sure, it's uh, Dean Brown. (laughs) On the Gabriel Pizza Hotline. Hello, Dean. Hi, hey, hello, boys. It's yeah. The Space Needle is uh, is as uncomfortable as it sounds, <laughs> well, especially when you're on top of the Space Needle. That's right. Uh, I mean, I didn't last year when we were here. I uh, I wasn't feeling great, so I didn't really leave the hotel much. I didn't get, but at some point, I've got to get over to see it because. Uh, uh, last year when we were here, that's the first time I've ever been to Seattle. There's not a ton of places left in North America where I can, you know, major cities where I can say I haven't been, but uh, this is just my second trip to Seattle. So maybe this afternoon a little trip to the Space Needle might be in order. What's the weather like there, Dean? Is it a good uh, day to tour Seattle? Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, relatively clear, and it's it's cool because you're, you know, you're on the on the coast. and uh, But it's a nice, very nice day out here today. So, it's uh, you know, it's beautiful here. Well, there's the pleasantries, Dean. Let's talk about the ugly, and that's last night's game. <laughs> my, um, Kenny and I have both, and you've done it a lot, but I've done my share, and Kenny does it a lot these days. Uh, I've mm-hmm. been traveling with teams, coming off disappointment, and how quiet the first part of a trip can be. Was it a quiet start to the plane ride yesterday? I'm sure there was a lot of uh, disappointment after uh, the Sens' performance last night. Yeah, it was. It was. It was very quiet, and you know. Um, I was texting back and forth with a buddy of mine. I said, well, you know, like with the long flight and everything after the game, I'm sure, you know, just because it was quiet because they were sleeping. Well, it was really quiet before anyone got to sleep. It, it was it was as quiet uh, as, as you would expect. You know, professional athletes have a great expectation of themselves. Uh, and so when you come, uh, you know, so far away from meeting your own expectations as this team did last night. And, and I, you know, one of the things too, I think guys, I think a lot of guys were kind of stunned that as a group, they played that way. I, I, I think, I don't know. You'd have to be a psychologist to, to, to know or that, you know, but I, you kind of get the sense that they assumed that was out of their game, that that was, that was November and this stuff doesn't happen to this team anymore. Well, obviously it does. Um, but I, I think that was a part of the range of emotions last night. But your original question, Lloyd, it, it, it was exactly as quiet as you would assume it to be. Um, you know, when our wonderful Air Canada flight crew uh, uh, says to you, uh, you know, what would you like to drink? Uh, you know, that was echoing through the plane because there was no other sounds, you know. And, you know, it... Uh, that's that's what you expect. Like no no one after a game like that is going to be having a couple of chuckles and thinking everything was okay and that uh, oh well we'll wash that one away. That one hurt, and not just that they lost it because you know I, I listened to you guys. Yeah, you know like if if this time of year, any time of year, you play well and lose, that's part of the game. When you play like that and lose, um, that that hurts because you're not just disappointed that you lost. You're disappointed in yourself for the way you lost. Dean, there's going to be ups and downs throughout the season, and as a professional hockey player, I'm sure they try and maintain a fairly even keel. 
But heading into that game, the the high that they were on, a five-game winning streak, playing some fantastic hockey, pucks are going in, pucks are staying out. And then to to have that game, I, I can only imagine the the emotional crater that they're in right now and how quickly are they going to be able to bounce back out of that. Well, you know what, Kenny? They have to. Um, they have to. It has to start tomorrow at practice. I know that some guys are still going to feel kind of dour. Again, you know, they're, they're professionals. They take these, you know, we've all been around, you know, we've spent our lives doing this. We've all been around professional athletes for a very long time. Professional athletes are not fun people to be around when they lose. Um, they're very prideful people, uh, and when they lose, it's something they take very deeply. I, I always laugh every time I see things at different times. You know, I just don't care. No, no, no. That's that's not. That's never the case. That's you know, they they might be, they might look disinterested or something at some point, but not caring is not part of what this is, and it almost never is. And but for them, uh, I would hope. And I would expect that uh, DJ will try and make sure, and I know this sounds bizarre, but I'm sure that DJ is going to try and make tomorrow's practice here uh, as fun and upbeat as he can because he's got to get them back on the rails. The, the video that they will watch tomorrow um, is going to be depressing enough, but after you've watched that and after you've absorbed that and after you've heard your coach's comments about that, then you've got to flush it and move on because this team simply has no time to wallow in any kind of, downer they have to get back up on the horse immediately you know i don't we've talked about this many times i don't do the you know looking at the standings this many games in hand that got to jump this team and got the, I, I i use the old roger nielsen method it's always been the simplest and in fact it's always been the most accurate to me you determine how many points you need and you focus on that number and that's all ottawa needs by and large most people in the nhl believe that 95 points is going to be the last playoff spot Ottawa needs to go 13-5-1 to get 95 points down the stretch. That's the number. That's it. That's all you focus on. Not where Buffalo is, not where, you know, not where Florida is. You're concentrating your number. It's 13-5-1. That's your number. So get on the horse tomorrow. Get ready to go and play Seattle and play them like a team that you want that to be one of your 13 wins that you need to register down the stretch here to have a shot. That's, that's what you have to do. We were trying to, uh, I don't know if you're listening, then we're having this conversation. At least I was, Dean. I'm trying to put my finger on what I was watching, what I was consuming last night. Am I watching a careless hockey team? Am I watching an arrogant hockey team, not respecting their opponent enough? You know, what would you see in terms of how many opportunities that were gifted to the Blackhawks? Like, the Blackhawks were not coming at Ottawa. It wasn't like waves of Hawks all night. It was just gift two-on-one gift three on one gift turn over here here's another opportunity it was basically every piece of offense that the hawks had and they had a lot of it was mm-hmm. given to them dean was it careless was it not respecting your opponent a little from column a a little from column b what did you see i think you know Lloyd, i think there were several columns and i think it was a compilation of columns uh, I, I think that, you know, and Gordy mentioned this last night on the broadcast, and I, and I think he was right. You know, in that situation last night with where Chicago was and where Ottawa was, you know, if, if very early in that first period when Giroux hits the crossbar, if that's a goal, probably the whole night is different. Ottawa's got their mojo, then they start to roll. Chicago's going, oh, here we go again. You know, we're not very good. And they start to crumple up. And, you know, probably the game is a, is a, is a totally different game if that goes in. But now you have a team that probably – 
spend a little bit too much time looking at the standings and thinking, well, you know, we're just going to crumple these guys up. We're just going to, these guys are just dented Tupperware. We're just going to put them back on the shelf, and that'll be the end of that. Then all of a sudden they get some breaks. They get some chances. They get some shots. And then you try to open it up because, well, you know, we're just going to go and score three and retake the lead, and then we'll cruise to victory. So you open up. Odd man rush the other way. Odd man rush the other way. You know, attempted clear, and you don't hit it hard enough off the boards, and all of a sudden it's knocked down, and now you got a two-on-one from 20 feet in. You, all those all those bad things start to reel, and now you're trying to play catch-up mode because now you're down by three, and you're opening it up even more, which, of course, is never good for a team like Ottawa, and it wasn't. And, you know, um, Chicago got some saves um, that were, you know, kind of lucky. You know, like, it's 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 not like... Uh, you know, it's not like Ken Dryden or, you know, um, a legendary goaltender shut them out last night. It's Alex Stalock. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so um, all of all of the things that happened uh, to Ottawa last night were all self-inflicted. Um, but I, I think that I think last night kind of shows you how even when you're the team with five straight wins and they're the team with four straight losses and they're swirling towards maybe finishing dead last in the league, and you still have aspirations to make the playoffs. It, it is amazing how things can swirl out of control when you just don't play the right way. At the end of the day, all those things, you know, the, the possible arrogance of looking at the standings and thinking it's going to be a walk and just thinking, well, we'll still catch up or, you know, they get a lot. All those things, all those things can be encapsulized in just one sentence. Play the right way. And I know that's a coach cliche, but it, it's so true. You play the right way. And like what Kenny was talking about a couple of minutes ago, take care of the puck. That's what playing the right way is all the time, being on the right side of the puck, you know, being over top of their better players so they can never break open, you know, limiting odd man rushes to next to zero, one a period, three a game is kind of what coaches try to look for as a worst case scenario. These guys were given up odd man rushes by the bushel in five minute segments, you know? So I, I think Lloydie that it's, it's uh, you know, not one or two, it's probably three or four a compilation of three or four different things all at once. But the most important thing for Ottawa is, they got to drop it and move on tomorrow in practice. They got to drop it, let it go, and move on. Dean, it's rare that a goalie allows five goals on twenty-one shots, and I think that they played very well. Uh, you're saying it, it seemed like everybody down to a man thought that the loss was not on Sogard. Your thoughts on on his performance in a tough situation? Yeah, well, you know, Kenny, I think that shows you know one of the rarities in hockey. Um, Ottawa's best player last night was Matt Sogard, and he gave up five goals because he probably should have given up eight. You know, with the chances that Ottawa gave up and the, and the huge saves that he had to make. Like, he, you know, I realize that people didn't stay up to watch that whole thing last night. You know, they, may, they might look at the stats line and go, well, obviously Sogard was crap. No, no, oh no. The, the sad and bizarre fact is he was Ottawa's best player. And if he wasn't, if he didn't play as well as he played, it would have been worse than 5 nothing. You got to wrap your head around that one, you know. So, you know, uh, I think you just have to make sure that the coach and the goalie coach have to sit down with the young player and make sure that he isn't scarred by that one and let him know, hey, you know, you did fine. Don't worry about the five. Don't worry. Don't worry about the numbers. It wasn't your fault. You didn't get any support. We need you. We need you in Seattle. If Talbot's not going to be able to play, um, you know, and who knows, we we won't know anything t- until tomorrow. It's a day off today for the players and the coaches. So. There's no uh, interviews. There's no questions to be asked. So we'll find out tomorrow whatever the status is on Talbot. But I think I'm I'm working under the assumption that he's at least not playing, uh, you know, here in Seattle. So uh, you you need to get Sogard ready for Seattle because the team that Ottawa lost five nothing to last night, Seattle is way better than them. So 
Um, you got to make sure the kid's headspace is right and, and understand that he was not the reason it was 5 nothing. How concerned um, should fans be, should the organization be, that, you know, Talbot is injured because, like, I'm kind of with you, Dean. I'm not assuming I, that Talbot's going to play this Thursday, and I'm not even sure if he'd be playing the weekend. I'm only basing that on he obviously couldn't even say, hey, listen, I'm just not feeling great. It's no big deal. Uh, I can back up. He couldn't even say that. You had to scramble Mandalay from Belleville yeah. on a game day to get to Chicago. So we don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what, what's said tomorrow on the status of Talbot. And I said this to Kenny earlier. Can you imagine if this was still Matt Murray, what the postgame show would have been last night, what all day today would have been? Because oh. to be fair to Matt Murray, when you're hurt, you're hurt, right? And I know how frustrating it was. But now all of a sudden with Cam Talbot, this is the third time this season, Dean, he's been hurt. Yeah. The, the, two, the two previous times, he was out a month. So – Okay, <laughs> like let's let, let's hope for the best here. But this 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 has been a frustrating thing with multiple goaltenders at multiple levels of this organization for the last number of years, and it just feels like again, what now yeah. when the team's this competitive? Okay, hopefully the kids can get it done. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And and you know what? I don't think any of us have any answers for that yet, Lloydie. You know, like I think we'll see tomorrow at practice uh, if he's there and, and uh, talk to the coach afterwards to find out, you know, as much as we can find out. But, I, you know, Gordy and I last night when we got the word, we were so surprised because there was no indication in the morning skate that there was any issue with anything. It was a full, you know, spent the whole time. And I guess this is something that has been a little bit nagging uh, for a little while. And I, I'm not I, I'm not sure whether he pulled himself. Um, you know, you get to know him a little bit. In in this way, he is not like Matt Murray. Um, he, he he's not going to pull himself, you know, like it, unless he has to. He's he's not that kind of guy. And so, by him being out there for practice, I, I'm not even sure if it wasn't a medical pull where the the medical team said, you know what, we're just not comfortable with this. We got to nip this in the bud right now. And that's and that's how it went down because it was so weird that he went through the entire morning skate, no issues, uh, you know. After practice, walked to the bus, got on the bus, went back to the hotel, and then I guess uh, you know a couple of hours later they're scrambling to get Nando out of Belleville and and find a way to get him to Chicago. Toot sweet, you know, like it was just it was very very weird how rushed it was, and there was no indication from him in the morning from the way he practiced or the way he left the rink that there was any issue that would lead you to believe, man, I I don't know if he's going to be able to go tonight. It like it was. During the during the day, Lloyd, it was a nothing burger. Never even entered anyone's consciousness, you know. And I, I said to Gordy last night when we got the news, and we're going. And I said to Gordy, I said, "Did you see anything today that I didn't see? Did you did like a shot that we didn't, you know, that kind of dinged him?" And we're both going, "Saw nothing, saw nothing." So, you know, I I don't know what it is. I don't know how long it's going to be. And I and and you know, none of none of us do know. Um, but it's it's going to be uh, interesting to find out tomorrow what it what it well I say I'm not I'm sure they're not going to tell us exactly what it is but what the time frame is because it was so surprising that it, like it was no warning visible warning that we could see that you know he's not right in some way so that's the thing that you know when you're when you're uh, you know right here and you're watching it you know you're not getting reports from somewhere else Gordon and I are here eyes on the eyes on the ice and we're watching you we watch the goalies a lot during practice you just do the you know and. The fact that there was nothing that would indicate that there was an issue added to the weirdness of the whole thing.
Dean, the last time that you were on this program was Thursday, and you were getting set for Jacob Chikrin's debut in New York, potentially. Uh, your assessment of his uh, first three games as a member of the Ottawa Senators. He's a really good hockey player. <laughs> and you know what, Kenny? He was a really good hockey player when he started. And um, the the more comfortable he gets, the more um, you know he gets used to this system, the more he gets used to the guys he's playing with, it's only going to be better. But... You know, you can when you watch his play, you can see all the elements uh, that made him a, a guy that a lot of people were interested in trying to get. And you know, he's uh, he walks in here and right away has the best shot on the team. I, I have to be honest with you, I didn't realize how good his shot was because so few guys now can get off a slap shot, and he doesn't do the big roof hanger. Eh? He doesn't take the big backswing, so he can get slap shots away, which, like I said, most guys can't with the pressure that people put on the points. Now it's very hard to get a slap shot from the point. But, man, he, he can rip it at a velocity that I didn't realize. Um, but you know what? The other thing is, it, it's I was thinking about this last night, you know, when, when DJ talked about, you know, they're going to start him. Uh, you know, they started him with Holden because they wanted a veteran guy his first day. Somebody communicates really well just to get him through that because he had no, no, you know, understanding of the system, the person, nothing, you know. So you just want to create – as, as calm a situation as you can. So he gets through that one, and then you put him with Brandstrom, <laughs> you know, which is probably something that was uh, more natural. And I know there's some people who were upset that, that wasn't the case in the first game, but I, I just don't think they understand that you're trying to help the guy be able to acclimatize. But now, now I'm wondering, you know, when DJ talked about, you know, on the road trip, we'll try and settle in where he's going to be in the top four. And I'm now wondering if that's going to morph into something that means something different in that right now DJ uses him in so many other places that if you write it down on paper, yeah, he's Brandstrom's partner, but he's playing with other guys. He plays with Shabbat a bit. He plays with Sanderson in the second power play unit. And if you look at his minutes, based on minutes, which is the ultimate, you know, that, that tells you what a coach, he already is a top four guy on this team. He's already in the top four. I think it's it may end up being a case where we have to realize in our business but just because where we're writing him down is traditionally the number five slot, that may be the slot for him. But during games, he's going to be all over the place, and he will play top four minutes with other top four players. But he's just not going to start there. I don't know if there's going to be a permanent switch where one of them, you know, either him or Shabbat, uh, you know, has to move to the right side, and that's his spot. I'm, I'm starting to think now that there's a possibility that he will be top four in minutes but maybe not on the little depth charts that we write down. And, you know, maybe our, our ink is just not going to be as meaningful as we think it is, and we have to think in a kind of a new way where it's more based on minutes and usage than where we write them down because that's where he starts the first shift from. So I'm, I'm going to be interested over the next week uh, to see how that works, or is it going to be, you know, a traditional you're going to move into the top four regularly and you're going to be Shabbat's partner and you're going to play the right side with him and, you know, or, or whatever it is. But I, like I said, I, it's going to be interesting for me because this week, because I'm, I'm now not certain that that's actually going to be the way it looks it on paper at the start of each game. It may be, you know, him and, and Brandstrom. And then during the game, we're seeing what we're seeing now, which is he's playing with everybody. He's playing on the penalty kill and he's playing on the power play. And at the end of the game, you look at his minutes and, Oh, he was the number two defenseman on the team tonight in minutes, and that's what counts. No, we we kind of had this conversation a little bit yesterday on the show, and and to your point, we've already kind of, at least I have the last well number of years, I've kind of changed my mindset when I look at 
forwards that way. Oftentimes, a guy can be on your third line, and he's, he's a third liner. Well, but if he's first over the boards with your PK, there's minutes. Maybe he's on your second power play unit. There's more minutes. He's, he's out there for some key face-offs. There's more minutes. All of a sudden, the guy that's technically on your third line, your forwards, oh, he was second in forwards ice time tonight, right? Yes. That, that, <laughs> that kind of stuff goes on around the league in general. Like yep. Jean-Gabriel Paggio was a very good example of that when the Sens had their 2017 run. You know, he was technically further down the lineup. But look at the forward minutes oftentimes, right? He, he had a very important role uh, on that team. Now, to your other point as well, and we, we I got tweaked in this. Somebody texted in. It was Chris in Vancouver, regular listener. Mm-hmm. I remembered yeah. your name, Chris. It was you, giving you credit. Uh, and, ta- and talked about how the history of other teams, this this phenomenon of having three guys, that you just love to play and you can put out the every situation and you play the heck out of them and they play with everybody and touch every little bit of everything is not new. The Sens watched the Ducks do that to them in 2007 with Pronger, Niedermeyer, and Boschemann. Somebody brought up, hey, uh, I'll raise you. Let's go to the 70s Montreal Canadiens with Sir Savard and Lapointe and Larry Robinson, uh, yeah. you know, coming over the boards at you all the time. Let's go to what the Bruins are thinking they're doing by getting Orloff with Lindholm and McAvoy. And maybe, Dean, with the Senators, and, and Zub's a good player in his own, own right, but maybe they're thinking you bring in Chikrin and the evolution of Sanderson and you got Shabbat, those three guys, you know, they're going to play a little bit everywhere, and, and they're just, they're just going to be your core and your blue line and forget about who you're starting the game with. Yeah. No, I, no, I, I absolutely agree, Lloydie, and I, and I think that's – I have a feeling that's what's going to happen here. And, uh, you know, um, people on Twitter and those of us in the media are just going to have to get used to that – just because we write a guy down in, in this slot after the morning skate, people get outraged on Twitter. Go, oh, I can't believe he's got him in the bottom pair. We, yeah, well, just wait. <laughs> just, just wait and see. And you know the one on your forward when you were talking about the forwards on the ice time? You know the thing that jumped to my mind immediately? Don't even have to go back to Pajot. When Connor Brown was still in Ottawa, you know, with injuries, he moved up and down the lineup. Yeah, but great example. But when Connor Brown was the right winger on the third line, he was still the highest min account forward on the team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so where you start sometimes is not relevant. It's how you're used and how much you're used. Ice time tells you everything about what a, what a coach thinks about who you are, uh, no matter what the position is. And so you, uh, you're absolutely right about that. That's our hang-up about where guys are in a depth chart and, you know, what that means. Oh, that, he's disrespecting that guy, playing him. With, well, oh, 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 let's look at how much he plays, not where he starts. Enjoy the rest of your day in Seattle. Maybe a little sightseeing in your future. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a Starbucks in your hotel, or at the very least, can you see one from the sidewalk outside your hotel? Because there's yeah. one in every block, right? Seattle, that's yeah. my stereotype vision of Seattle. Well, it's not a stereotype. It's true. I think, uh, like from the airport, Atlanta, they were all closed because we came in so early in the morning, but you're driving by green signs everywhere. You're thinking, like, Starbucks people must go, like, how many of us are there? Like, it's, you know, like your worms are everywhere. <laughs> But no, you're absolutely right. The, the Starbucks thing, you know, coming from here, this being the originator, I, I think they try to maintain the on every block there's a Starbucks thing because it's almost every block. Okay, so listen to some grunge music, drink some Starbucks, right? Uh, it'll rain at some point and go see the Space Needle. I'm out. I'm out of stereotypes for Seattle. Enjoy your day. All right, boys. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. All right. All right, there's uh, there's Dean Brown, voice of the Sens here on TSN 1200. He'll have the call with Gord Wilson for the next game coming up Thursday night. Uh, off day for the club today, and um, we'll see what practice brings tomorrow and maybe get a bit of a health update on uh, Cam Talbot, hopefully not too serious. Back in a moment on In the Box on TSN 1200.
This podcast is brought to you by Bodog.net. Don't miss a chance to play at Bodog.net. When the odds are stacked against you, post-game tastes that much sweeter. Bodog.net, your source of free casino games, poker strategies, and live sports odds. Um, so whatever it is, I think as our, as our pal uh, Yorkie used to say, something was barking. Something's barking. And is it a re-aggravation of the groin injury that kept him out for a month? Or is this something different altogether? Yeah, just just odd all the way around, Lloydy. And the more you think about it, the more odd it is. Because if, if you go through a morning skate and the media doesn't notice anything and you're not a little ginger in there, you're not, you're not tender, you're not limited in your movement, makes things odd. And then the fact that he got on the bus after and, and Dean and Gord saw him, didn't, didn't notice anything uh, off kilter. It, it, it's just an odd situation. And uh, yeah, concerning for the, the future of Cam Talbot in the, in the near future and, and his availability for the sense. And as good as Mad Sogard has been, to have two inexperienced goaltenders heading into the stretch drive with 19 games remaining in the season and fighting for playoff a uh, playoff position not an ideal scenario and here's here's the good news of what happened last night sends are going to be better Thursday night that is I'm going full Tommy boy Kenny I'm slapping the guarantee on the box put a guarantee on the box Sens are going to be better Thursday night. Problem is, it might not be good enough to win the hockey game. As we all know, it's a tough league, and Seattle's a good team. And that's what makes, that's the frustrating part about last night. The league's too good, even for the teams at the bottom, to give away gifts. You could lose last night. Sens could have played well, and you could still lose that game. That's the frustrating part. But you got to flush it. Got to flush it. Got to move on, and I'll I'll keep coming back to it. It's this is this is the more me positive spin on things. Just for Sens fans in general, it's March seventh, and this matters. This matters. You're mad because you can't believe what you watched last night. Whereas what you got, well, sometimes earlier than that. Once you got twenty games or less in the season, you weren't <laughs> you weren't furious with how the team was not performing well. It, you're you're mad now because you know it's got potential. You know the team can make the playoffs. Yeah, apathy isn't in the repertoire right now for Sens fans, oh, which is a great not thing. Not at all. Not it's, at all. It's wonderful, and passion is going to. Well, it's going to lead to, to more fans in the building and a louder building. And yeah, there's there's some frustrating moments when you are passionate and when you do have that true fandom and, and you want to see your team do well every night. That's when the the emotions take over and the roller coaster that you can go on can be incredibly frustrating, but at the same time, so rewarding. And that's why you watch sports. To have apathy that uh, that was starting to set in after six years... Just to get rid of that has got to be, uh, well, it is refreshing. It is refreshing for us here at the station. It's refreshing for fans to actually care again about meaningful games. It's it's great. It really is. And 
you don't really want to hear that after a, a game like that where you lose 5 nothing to the second-worst team in the league. But we've come a long way. As, as people who cover or watch this team, we've come a long way over the last six years, and it's, it is quite refreshing. All right, keep your thoughts coming in at 12-1200. Uh, Got a little bit of show left for you to uh, chime in. Kenny, have you uh, had time? To uh, select the winner, I, I've seen we we do have enough correct answers. Yes, uh, we do have a correct answer. I'm I'm going to contact the person that I have selected as a winner and just okay. make sure that all the details are correct and okay. all, all right. the information all right. is is where it's supposed to be. So if okay, I call well, you, you, answer your phone, and okay. uh, we'll let you have the prize. Please pick up. Okay. Um, all right. There's there's you know this shows me that a lot of people that they're, they're getting their answers in because. If you look hard enough, you can kind of Google anything these days, right? We know that. But there are a lot of names, a lot of incorrect answers. But a solid amount of correct ones. So as I mentioned, Torts has been at this a long time. John Tortorella is, um, he'll be 65 in June. John Tortorella's first NHL job on an NHL bench was with the 1989-90 Buffalo Sabres. Where Jerry Meehan was still the general manager. Leading scorer on the Buffalo Sabres that year, a 20-year-old Pierre Turgeon had 106 points. Dave Andrichuk had 82 points. They both had 40 goal seasons. Darren Pupa and Clint Malarchuk were the goalies. All right, this is this is the era we're talking about. Torts has been at this a while. His head coach was Rick Dudley, was the head coach of those Buffalo Sabres. The first year that John Tortorella worked on an NHL bench. Kenny is contacting our winner as we speak. So Torts spent six years as an assistant with the Sabres. Then they sent him to Rochester to be the head coach of the Rochester Americans in 95-96. Won the Calder Cup. Spent another year there. Rochester, then he went, and he was an assistant with the Phoenix Coyotes for two seasons. Then the following year, he was an assistant with the New York Rangers. And he ended up being the interim head coach for four games. Next year... He ended up getting hired as the uh, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning midseason, and the rest is history. Now you know John Tortorella. Three years later, he won the Stanley Cup. And he's been pretty much coaching as a head coach in the NHL ever since. But it all started back in 89-90. First NHL gig assisted to Rick Dudley on the Buffalo Sabres. Back in a moment on In the Box on TSN 1200. This podcast is brought to you by Bodog.net. Don't miss a chance to play at Bodog.net. When the odds are stacked against you, post-game tastes that much sweeter. Bodog.net, your source of free casino games, poker strategies, and live sports odds. Now, come on. If you're if you're of a certain age and you're a hockey fan, well, if you're me, if you're me, you're around my age, I, I remember this. This Stanley Cup playoffs, pretty much a running gag, Molson had. 
that use this song, 30-second commercial. Every commercial starts with guy at the restaurant, bar, or whatever, sees a lovely lady, and by the end of it, it's like, bah, struck out. And then at the very end, somebody else walks in, and that sets up the next one, Kenny. And this is the song they used. See, I'm like Pavlov's dog, right? I hear that, and that's where my mind goes. I remember those old, and they had like a, it was like a soap opera during the hockey game during commercial breaks on beer ads, and they used this song. This this was their, their bit on it. All right. Anyways. Good song. Uh, to Good wrap job. up some things from earlier in the show, okay. uh, Corey Cowick's name was brought up as part of a trivia thing. Uh, and Corey actually reached out. I said hey. that, that we're uh, we're always looking for somebody to join out of the blue, especially somebody a natural athlete like Corey. Uh, he's wondering what the signing bonus is, <laughs> and somebody may or may not have been his dad. I uh, was asking if uh, they were looking if we were looking for a designated catcher. Ooh, yeah. Okay. All right. Don't know if Dwayne's going to make the cut. Hell of a ball player, though. Yeah. Yeah, okay. real good ball player. Uh, love, long known around the Ottawa area for uh, his exploits and a uh, big, big baseball guy. Okay. Maybe go for the Titans. Hey, we had Trevor Clifton on. You want Could to be an open Cowan? tryout? You want... Yeah, time to go. Like, can't do any worse than you did years ago for the Fat Cats well, or whatever I, it was. I, I don't want to. Don't, I don't know whether Dwayne can throw the ball overhand anymore. I think his shoulder's out. So that's why he's a designated catcher with uh, just toss the ball back. That's but okay. Great left-handed bat, uh, and I don't know if you'd want him out in the field either. Even if, I, I don't know where the eyes are at at this point in time. So I, I he is a fantastic baseball player. I just don't know whether Dwayne is going to be uh, at that caliber to go out for the Titans. But you never know. Terry Marcotte did, so anybody can. Um. Did you name your uh, your prize winner the correct Rick Dudley answer? Did we I did name not. that before break? Dan. Okay, who Way did, to go, who'd Dan. you go with? Dan. Dan. All right, Dan. Dan. Dan, Dan, Dan the man. Dan knew it was Rick Dudley, who was very briefly a Senator's general manager. He was brought in, and that's when, because uh, Rick Dudley was with the IHL Detroit Vipers for years, and he was very close to the owner, and that's when the owner ended up buying the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Tampa Bay Lightning wanted Rick Dudley to be the new general manager, but he was under contract with the Ottawa Senators, and yada, 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 Rob Zamner. Okay? There you go. There's your story. That's that's how Rob Zamner ended up being a member of the Ottawa Senators. He was part of, no, Johansson was part of the deal, but it was really you're traded for a GM. Good yada yada reference. Yeah, good yada yada. Uh, Rick Dudley, yada yada, uh, was briefly the general manager of the Ottawa Senators, and that's when Marcel Johnston took over uh, after that. And uh, Dan knew that, and that was uh, the head coach of the Buffalo Sabres. That's back when Rick Dudley was coach of the Sabres. He was still wearing, like, 70s leisure suits behind the bench in the 80s, late 80s. Like, it was – he had a real, real vibe going like, he's wearing the 70s leisure suit look, and he'd get mad. Oh, he'd get, he'd get seething mad behind the bench and try to keep it in and banging his fist off in behind and all that. Anyways, maybe that's where Torts got it from. Torts' is passion. He, he was His first foray as an NHL coach, as an assistant, was beside a seething Rick Dudley, who, as an executive, Every always came across so soft-spoken and mild-mannered, but he was anything but when he played and when he coached. But as an executive, he chilled. 
Yeah, he had that more chill vibe to him. Not as a coach, not as a player. There you go. All right, so um, we got to a winner. Um, oh, yes, I know what else you're going to bring up. Tom Brady has responded. Yes. Okay, we, we brought this up earlier in the show um, because – Big day in the NFL, uh, 4 o'clock Eastern is the deadline to franchise tag players, and we're all watching the Baltimore Ravens. What will or will not happen with Lamar Jackson? There are other situations, but something to track today. There's going to be news one way or the other today, big news from Baltimore of what happens and how that plays out. Um, the other piece of news coming off the combine in Indianapolis, Rich Eisen on his show yesterday um, – and, and to be clear, Rich Eisen didn't say this is a rumor. This is what I'm hearing. This is he was at the combine, and all he said was, "There's a lot of talk amongst NFL people, wondering if is Tom Brady really done." And he said, "If if that's the case, watch Miami. Right? We've been down that road before with Miami. There was actual tampering charges a couple of years ago involving Sean Payton. We all know the story. So, anyways, Tom Brady." Um, obviously has been paying attention, sitting back, watching all this transpire. And he quote tweeted, uh, Don Clayman, who said Tom Brady might not be done after all with his playing in the NFL, according to at Rich Eisen show, who talked to people in Indy, quote, folks are saying, keep an eye on Miami. So 23 minutes ago, this tweet was from yesterday, Tom Brady quoted this tweet and says, anyone who thinks I have time to come back to the NFL has never adopted a two-month-old kitten for their daughter. That's how Tom Brady chose to say ain't happening. So he's not going to uh, disappoint his daughter after he's adopted a two-month-old kitten for her. So Tom Brady doubling down that he's done. Yeah, I, I'm happy to see that. I mentioned earlier in the show, I don't want to see him come back. Not under these circumstances. If he didn't announce his retirement for the second time, it would be great to have Tom Brady still around the NFL. Would have loved to see him stick around until 50. But the moment he said, I'm done for the second time, walk into the sunset, don't return, stay away from the game, unless it's in an analyst role or you want to get into coaching, something along those lines. But on the field, just no more. No more Tom Brady. Um, Mike from Lanark, I'd forgotten about this, Mike. And I think we, when Rick Dudley was the general manager, it was the very early days of sports talk radio at this station here in this city. And I'm pretty sure JR probably remembers this. We found the song. We played it on one of the shows. Rick Dudley did record an album back in the day people that didn't know and mike from lenark remembered that with all this rick dudley talk can we hear a few bars of his hit single i believe it was called something like got mara lol mike from lenark yeah kenny uh no time now we're out of show maybe maybe that that can be a little uh, homework assignment for you kenny not to saddle you with too much at some point you got to find the rick dudley a, a couple uh a couple of notes from rick as he uh once upon a time, did record an album. There you go. What a way to end the show. <laughs> We're talking what? about Rick Dudley. What's the name career. of the song called? I don't. He says Giant Mara. Mara? Is that is that a 
I don't know. Is that a typo? I don't know what that is. But I do know he did he did record an album. I know that. Natural man? Maybe. Uh Oh, you got it? This sound like Rick Dudley? I don't know what he sounds like when he sings something. When you're not with me. <laughs> the picture on the YouTube thing that I brought up I'm is a picture of Rick Dudley. Is this is Rick? I don't know. I'm guessing. <laughs> this is Natural Man from the album Do Right. I don't know if this is him or not. I need some more some more Googling. But the, the amount of time that you've tasked me with and whoever sent that in this late in the show uh, made a mistake here. Oh, I can't close that that window. I stop. I want to go out with this. We're assuming that this is Rick Dudley. Like a natural man. I, I want to assume that, and I want to believe that it's true. Oh. Okay. Well, you never know what direction we're going to go in and how the show is going to end. We went from we st- too, too bad to be true, to be TBTBT, to Rick Dudley. The musical choices on this show have been something today. As, uh... As Josh texted earlier, blah, 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 Rick Dudley. It's not easy 